Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. What's up, Kings fans, and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the episode or the unofficial podcast of RickRoyalty.com. We're into episode number 19, and I'm Scott Kinville. Before we get going, we just want to let you know that you can find us on social media at Twitter at RickRoyalty and also at Royalty underscore pod. And you can also find us on Facebook at the Hockey Royalty Podcast. We got a real fun show lined up for you tonight. Before we bring our guest in, I want to bring in our panelists, as always, leading us off. The one, the only, Mr. Ryan Spice. What's going on, Ryan? That's an intro, Scott. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, brother. Doing fantastic. <laughs> and up next, our partner in crime, as always, along for the ride with us, the one and the only as well, Mr. Russell Morgan. What's going on, Russ? Damn, Scott. You're making me feel all, feel all good and nice inside. <laughs> We're feeling all positive tonight, guys. All positive. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Ready to talk some hey, listen to the Kings won last night, so we're all in a good mood. Okay, so they are yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, Kings Twitter was definitely happy, and it was cool to see. 
for once it was it was great (laughs) (laughs) all right so i'm gonna bring our guest in our guest is the host of the locked on kings podcast she had us on about uh, what was it about four or six weeks ago something like that uh yeah trade deadline yeah yeah right around the trade deadline you know it's kind of like invited us over for dinner so we're returning the favor and inviting her over for dinner tonight so i want to bring in miss sarah avapato sarah thanks for coming on we appreciate it Glad to be here. Glad to go talk about the Kings after they did something that is going to actually make us all excited to be here. Hey, Sarah, the only difference is though we didn't cook anything. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I got some pizza over here, so <laughs> I'm good. Oh, if it makes you feel better, we have liquid dinners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah, tell us, how did you become a Kings fan? Uh, the short answer is spite, uh, which uh, I think is uh, really sums it up pretty nicely. Um, I so rewind to many many years ago I grew up outside of Pittsburgh so I grew up a Penguins fan and then kind of you know you get to college and you're like oh is sports a thing like you you kind of like peter off from sports if you don't have a lot of people in your life who are super into it many years later come back around I moved to Chicago and uh, I have a friend who's really into hockey and she's like let's go to a Blackhawks game and I go the Blackhawks like I thought that that team was gone because they were terrible at the time I moved to Chicago in 2006 so uh, they, they were pretty irrelevant. Uh, but because of that, I started to get back into hockey, then started to write about hockey. And I, at the time, was covering the Blackhawks during the 2014 playoffs and got so annoyed <laughs> that the Kings beat them because I feel like everyone knew whoever came out of the Western Conference most likely was going to beat the Rangers. Yeah. And I was like, how, how did this team do this? How did this team beat the Blackhawks in that crazy game seven. And so I started watching the Kings and watching them more because I wanted to know how it happened. At the same time, I also have a bunch of friends who live in LA and who knew that like, for for various off-ice reasons that I think a lot of people probably will remember without me having to go into detail, I was kind of a little tired of the Blackhawks and what was going on with them. And I was like, well, I was never someone who was like, you can only be a fan of one team ever. Like, you know, I just like the sport. Uh, so I have a bunch of friends who are Kings fans and born and raised LA. And they basically were like, it's like you're, you're at the car dealership and they slide the, the piece of paper across at you and you look at it and you go, okay. Uh, that was basically <laughs> my, my Kings experience was my friends being like, well, you, you, you're kind of looking for a new team to follow here. Have you heard of the story of Jeff Carter and Mike Richards getting traded here? And I was like, no, tell me more. Uh, so <laughs> it, 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 came, it really was half spite of, how did this team beat the Blackhawks? And then I have a lot of friends who are really, really good uh, salesmen when it comes to hockey. And uh, from there, uh, the day I started defending Dustin Brown from people, uh, you know, talking bad about him, I was like, oh, I'm in too deep. This is, uh, this is it. <laughs> so that, that is the, uh, in a nutshell, the kind of weird, twisty road I took to being here. Well, you know, I tell you, I mean, you know, a lot of respect for the Hawks back in the day, but I got to tell you, I wish they had changed their goal song. <laughs> Chelsea Dagger just annoys the crap out of me. I can't help it. I wish they had changed their general manager instead of firing their coach, Joe Kundal. <laughs> you know, I'm in Chicago, too. I pay attention to the Hawks, too, and seeing what he's doing in Florida right now. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, guys, did you make the right move? Yep. <laughs> You know? Absolutely. Uh, but Absolutely. Uh, just uh, one more quick thing on the Blackhawks. I don't know if you guys saw that they're welcoming fans back on uh, for the last two games of the regular season. They're obviously not going to the postseason. My question when I saw that was, what is the point? <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like, okay, maybe it's for the Bulls. Bulls have four games left. What is the point? Yes, Manny, money, obviously, but how much money can you recoup from that? <laughs> hey, guys, it's $50 beer night. <laughs> That's only a little more expensive than usual. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. So, Sarah, how did you uh, end up taking over the Locked On Kings podcast? Uh, so, our uh, NHL channel manager is named Sean Woodley. He's also the host of Locked On Raptors. So, he's a Toronto guy and uh, was whenever Locked On expanded into the NHL, they. Uh, started looking for people who covered teams. And uh, so Sean had found me through my work from Jewels from the Crown, which was, uh, which is SB Nation's uh, King's blog. And at that time, uh, because of law changes in California, um, SB Nation changed their model for their California sites. So I knew the clock was ticking for me to find sort of a new home to be a regular gig for uh, covering the Kings. And uh, so it just so happened that Sean reached out to me at a time where I was already looking for what the next big thing was going to be. And I had thought about podcasting. I'd been a co-host, a guest on lots of shows, but I hadn't ever uh, done my own show, but uh, very persuasive, uh, you know, buttered me up a little bit by telling me uh, how, how good my coverage was. And I was like, all right, let's, uh, let's try this. And here we are a year and a half ish, probably later. And uh, you know, a solid year almost without Kings games and uh still here covering the team basically every day uh, on, on the podcast. Yeah, that's often, a daily show. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, was, no, you're fine. I was going to ask the same question. How often do you record, sir? Yeah, it is Monday through Friday. Uh, so it is a daily show and uh, in season, that's an easy time to feel because there's always something going on. And then in the summer, we're going to have to start getting creative or really uh, come in a couple weeks whenever everyone else goes to the playoffs and we uh, get to sit around and, uh, Twitter our thumbs, but I have uh, some season awards coming up that I'm going to be uh, getting some feedback on Twitter. That's going to be a big topic for the next couple of weeks, but yeah, it is a daily show. So that means I have to listen to myself talk every day. Yeah, luckily we have a lot going on this summer. I mean, yeah. with the season ending later and then now we have the entry draft and the expansion draft and there's going to be a lot going on in this short yeah. time period. It should be fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is actually, I think the off season is going to be more exciting for in, than the next couple of months for us. Oh, so. yeah. I don't doubt yeah. it. <laughs> with, the, with the June 2nd draft lottery, we'll know where the Kings are going to pick. So then everything will kind of domino from mm-hmm. there. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And then guys, hopefully this will be the last time that we got to worry about draft lotteries and all that for quite some I, time. I hope so, Scott, yeah. man. Yeah. Good to there. But uh, speaking of draft lottery, so last year, of course, the King snagged Quentin Byfield with the number two pick. So, Sarah, what's your thoughts on his first four games up with the big club? I have been pretty impressed by him. Um, I think that it was the right time to bring him up. Um, I know fans would have wanted to see him earlier, but I do think he needed that AHL time to really sort of get his get his game under him. Um, you know, he's still 18 years old. He's still kind of growing and learning how how his body works and how the NHL you know, matches up with his game. Uh, but I've really liked what I've seen from him. And I think that we're already seeing some of those creative little plays that made him such a high draft pick. Um, and I think once he kind of starts to get to know and anticipate where his teammates are going to be and gets kind of a consistent line going, I think we could start to see some real chemistry. And that that first goal, I, I think, is coming pretty soon. He almost got the first point last night on mm-hmm. Trevor Moore's goal. I mean, we've Briefly had it, and then it was taken from us underneath. Yeah. The, the rug was it's taken cool. out just like that. 
Um, question. I mean, you kind of touched on it there, but I mean, a personal level, did you want to see him called up earlier in the season? You know, it's one of those things where like, if I look at it as a fan, I would have loved to see him all season and see what he could do. And you just throw him out there and sure there's going to be growing pains, whatever. As someone looking at the team from a more like analysis standpoint, I totally get why they did this and why they waited to, to let him kind of percolate in the AHL and get, get his feet under him. Uh, If you watch his early AHL games, they're rough because he is still adapting to the speed of this game and the physicality of it. So I think that, you know, as frustrating as it was as a fan to watch him in the AHL, especially when the rain were doing so poorly, uh, I think it was probably best for his development to sort of let him explore and grow there before thrusting him into the fire with the Kings. Yeah. And I think, don't quote me off this, but if I'm recalling correctly, I think his first 13 games, he had like a minus 15. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously it, trended in the right direction where I think he became a, a net positive uh, plus five, excuse me. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was some, as you just said, it was some growing pains there. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the start um, I would have been okay. Maybe seeing him in the NHL. I know once we, the talk at the end of the draft was all about Tim Stutzla and what he was doing in Ottawa and Kings fans were like, Whoa, look what he's doing. But I mean, now it's kind over of like, in New York too, Russell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you see Lafreniere doing it in New York. Yeah. But um, once he got started in the AHL with the rain, he kind of got his feet wet a little bit. It was, it was nice to see him kind of grow and develop, especially in the, in the American hockey league where, I mean, if you think about it, he's, he's just coming from the OHL and he's the, one of the youngest kids, just, he was mm-hmm. the youngest player, one of the youngest players on, Team Canada for the World Junior Championships. So to see him in the American League and kind of in this unique situation was definitely beneficial for the Kings' standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I I actually kind of think that uh, Dennis Bernstein actually hit the nail on the head with as far as byfield goes. When they did the comparables, I don't think you can compare him to Lafreniere, and I don't think you can compare him to Stutzla. I think the best comparable is Kirby Doc. And Mm -hmm. honestly, going back to the Hawks, I think the Hawks did it right with him. In the regards, they they had him up in the NHL, but they gave him, you know, what was it, 10, 12 minutes a night to start. Yeah, it was like nine mm-hmm. minutes a game to start. Right. Get your feet wet, kid, you know? And because, I mean, hey, listen, I don't blame the Kings at all for starting Byfield off in the NHL. That was absolutely the right call. Would I have liked to have seen him brought up earlier? Of course. Maybe like halfway through. Because the one thing that does concern me, and I know Russ and Ryan are going to be like, oh, here we go again. But what concerns me about next year is you got all these prospects that are going to be pushing for a spot, right? So you are potentially looking at maybe having five to six rookies in the lineup if all these kids hit. And I'm not even talking about ELCs. I'm just talking about the product on the ice. And next year is the year they're supposed to start contending for a playoff spot. So you're going to be doing this with a bunch of rookies. Now, can it pan out? Sure, of course. But I would have loved to have seen some of them at least get some more playing time this year to, uh, well, like I said, get their feet wet, so to speak. Yeah, and I feel like that's one of those things where it's like this season is definitely a big what if because had we not had all of the COVID stuff and like basically no real training camp or like rookie camp or anything, maybe we could have seen some of those young guys pushing for a spot right off the bat from, from day one of the team. But because everything was so weird this year, we didn't really even get that competition. And so the roster was what the roster was and, and you didn't have to – be forced to making to make those decisions. I mean, it took forever for them to finally realize, oh, we don't really need Mike Amadio, you know. And I think that maybe we would have had that moment a lot sooner had we been able to get these guys, you know, get them from their 
more get get them in front of the team earlier to have that that preseason to go ooh like even if you even if like you give Akil Thomas four games the first of the year before you send him down you start having that internal competition and now everything's kind of delayed until next season like that yeah and just kind of piling on that Sarah I mean remember when the Kings were supposed to get like one to two extra weeks of training camp, mm-hmm. which was shrunken down to just like three mm-hmm. days and <laughs> yep. no preseason games. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, just to go off topic a little bit too, uh, speaking of, of the kids and all that, I'm curious to see what you think about Cal Clegg as far as what happened with him, because I think that kind of piggybacks mm-hmm. with all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, it's been really frustrating because I, I feel like, especially once it sort of became clear that this this team was not going to go to the playoffs, no matter how much they wanted to try to say that this was the year we were going to like, maybe like just miss, which we are kind of going to just miss. But I wish that they would have just let him run and just let him go because he seems like the kind of player who he needs that consistency. He needs to be in the lineup night in, night out to start learning from his mistakes and to build on that. Uh, The fact that we're not giving him that chance and now potentially could lose him to Seattle because there's other players who have emerged because they've been given the opportunity is is a little frustrating because I think that he's a great project for a team that can be patient with him and let him sort of grow in that role because he's he's exactly what you need. Like young puck moving defenseman excels at getting into the zone. He just is a kid still and makes bad mistakes sometimes. Um, He's a player who kind of in his first, you know, first kind of rookie camps and training camps and everything, he'd be very frustrating to watch because one shift he would look like this kid's going to be an all-star in the NHL. And then the next shift, he'd look totally lost. And I I think that he really just needs that night in, night out consistency. And in the AHL, he's even been the same of he's had some games where he looks amazing. And then some games where he's like a minus five because, and he's just watching the puck go past him. So I mean, maybe in that respect, the Kings have already made up their mind, possibly. And they've said, this guy doesn't have it. Well, yeah, I mean, just kind of to your point, Sarah, again, I mean, he really gained a lot of confidence from that overtime winner uh, with the rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to what you had said, you know, I, I believe his last two games with the Kings, he had a combined minus four. And his last game came on April 14th. So he's sitting there. Mm-hmm. on the taxi squad for two weeks while Curtis McDermott is getting either a third line pairing or seventh defenseman um, minutes. And it's like, you know, I, I saw it all over Twitter. It's like, where is Kale Clay? Why is mm-hmm. he not cutting his teeth? We, all due respect to, to Curtis McDermott, we know what we're going to get from him. We don't mm-hmm. know what we're going to get from Kale Clay yet. We need to let him continue to develop, which unfortunately he has to now finish out the year in Ontario because the Kings just have one call-up left. Yeah. yeah, it was strange to just see him just sitting on the taxi squad and not get any playing time anywhere. I mean, not in Ontario, not with the Kings. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just didn't make sense. But I think the one player that's kind of making the decision for the Kings in this standpoint is Trevor Moore. Because yeah. if going into the expansion draft, I was thinking, man, the Kings are probably going to expose and go, the um, seven uh, or the just the eight, four, eight players route and the one goalie. But now the, with the way Trevor Moore has been mm-hmm. playing, it's hard, it's going to be hard to leave him unprotected. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to go probably seven, three and one, which would leave Kip Clegg unprotected. So I don't know. I've been kind of back and forth on this because I think if you go seven players protected in the upcoming draft, you can protect Trevor Moore, Leah Sanderson, even 
a Blake Lazard or Andrews Anthony if you wanted to. But unfortunately, with only three defensemen, that only leaves you protecting Drew Doughty, Sean Walker, and Matt Roy. So Kale Clegg, unfortunately, could be a new player on the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. Uh, uh, Russ, you're more familiar with it than I am. But Mikey Anderson and Toby are exempt, are exempt right? Yeah, the Kings yeah. are in a great situation yeah. with all that. I know all oh, those that's players. what I thought. Yeah, Gabe Velarde, Toby, Mikey Anderson, Jared Anderson, Dolan, even. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even even so, I mean, possibly his rights get packaged up as a trade offer too. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. yeah <laughs> for sure. But but we uh, we touched on it just a little while ago about that last call up that uh, the Kings uh, have that that one remaining there in their back pocket. So. Sir, we're going to put you right on the spot. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what's coming, right? Oh, yeah. Who's oh, yeah. the one that gets it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, if we're talking just pure fun base, not needs based, not because someone gets hurt, I know now, like, people are wondering what's going to happen if Jonathan Quick is going to be out and whatever, you know, do you call up one of the goalies? I, 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 think, I think the indications are that whatever is wrong with Quick, it's not going to be a big thing. Um, so if we're just talking sheer, let's give a guy some minutes. Um, I always go back and forth on this, but I keep coming out with Akil Thomas as my, my pick to call him up. I think that he has been such a hard worker on that rain team and is a guy who comes up clutch. And I think that even just getting him that exposure to the NHL, even if he only plays in one game or something, I think letting him, sort of have that first taste to let him know this is this, if you work hard next year, this is yours. Um, so I I'd like to see what he can do um, when he's asked to play up a level. Yeah. He was one of the players I thought that they would bring up along with Byfield because they had some chemistry in Ontario. So I, I mentioned this in our last episode when last year, when they brought up Bolardi and Ferk, I thought they were going to kind of, kind of do something similar this year. So, I mean, with only, was it seven games left? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now six games left. Thanks, Ryan. But um, six games left. I mean, you're kind of, well, your look is kind of diminishing here. So I don't know. Maybe I think after uh, this next game uh, tomorrow, uh, I think they'll probably be bringing someone up. Yeah. Especially if they, I know the rumor keeps being, and I, I feel like it's less of a rumor, more of just a given that eventually Byfield will go back to the rain and play in whatever weird postseason. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that if you're going to send Byfield back, then do a little swap and bring up, you know, bring up a heel Thomas or bring up someone. Yeah. Uh, and so that way you're not also trying to figure out how do I work in yet another guy who's never played here before um, and, and go from there. But they, they have options. They, they have, they have time to do it. And these games, I mean, what better way to jump right into the fire than be like, here's the Colorado avalanche. Have fun. <laughs> well, yeah, Sarah, I think they almost have to bring up somebody because we also remember that uh, Martin Kromiak is currently quarantining mm-hmm. and he's getting ready to slot into a spot. So, I mean, if Byfield goes back down, somebody has to come back up. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good pick. Very, very good pick. So, uh, <laughs> so going into this off season, the Kings are like the uh, they won the golden ticket to the hockey Willy Wonka chocolate factory. They <laughs> they they got over over twenty million dollars in cash space to spend. They got a plethora of prospects. We've got draft picks, but they do have needs too. So going into this off season and having all this ammo, so to speak, what do you think they should do? 
it's all it's it's tough because any decision you make is also going to impact everyone else who, who who's on the roster. And uh, you know, I, I think that looking at this season, one of the biggest issues has been defense. And I know they keep talking about finding a you know a young you know mid twenties defenseman to bring in, uh, and and I think that that is possible and and something they should look at because they don't they don't have their next Drew Doughty, and not that this person is going to be the next Drew Doughty, but the, the talent on the blue line is, is sketchy sometimes, especially with so many new young players and, you know, has the emergence of Mikey Anderson changed that and has, you know, Tobias Bjornfoot looking more and more comfortable in, in the NHL changed that maybe. Uh, but I, I think that they are probably going to at least sniff around to see what kind of more experienced veteran defenseman who is a better defenseman than Olimata. No offense to Olimata. Um, can bring in and and scoring is just all it it has been the issue with the kings like forever like i don't like i feel like after after wayne gretzky maybe like this team just can't score and so they're always looking for that scoring winger and you know that could be something that they go after i know everyone wants jack eichel i'm not into that idea um i I think that they have so so much center depth that it, it seems a little extraneous but if you can find if you can find that elite scoring winger to stick next to Andre Kopitar, so everyone stops complaining about Alex Iafalo being there, I mean, great. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for that. But yeah, like you mentioned, the Kings have. I think I've looked at hey, just for week. just for our listeners. Russell just did a fist pump on air. You guys just missed it. <laughs> I play for the people, right? I'm here for the people, whether they can see me or not. But yeah, like like Sarah mentioned, the last uh, I looked it up, the last 100 point score for the Kings was Gretzky in '94. So it's like, I mean, scoring's got to happen here. And I know the Kings' strategy now with McClellan is the one-three-one. I can go on a whole lecture about how I don't like the neutral zone trap, but I won't just for you guys. But um, yeah, scoring's got to be the the what's got to come for the, in the off season. And I I kind of tried to do a little bit of lineup kind of implementing some rookies into the season, kind of see what next year would look like. And there's a log jam, man. It's just, mm-hmm. where are you going to play all these kids? Yeah. So uh, it's like, I think Blake mentioned a few weeks ago or the virtual state of the franchise that it's most likely going to have to be the trades. So yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of movement with some of these young prospects because there's nowhere to put them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's not fair to them to keep them, you know, just yeah, sitting you're, there. You're going to sign yeah. a free agent and just, well, there goes another spot that gets taken mm-hmm. up from one of these young prospects. So yeah. some movement's going to be happening. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing is too, is like this upcoming free agent class isn't exactly blow your socks off. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and honestly, and just, and I know Russ and Ryan don't want to hear me say this, but <laughs> the, the draft class that's coming up for 2021, I personally don't see any player in there that's going to really immediately help the Kings in either spot, either defense or a scoring winger within the you know next one to two years. So if they're going to take the next step and if they're going to start looking at the playoffs next year, they're going to have to get that help outside the organization. There's no doubt. Yeah. And to your point, Scott, I mean, <clears throat> they can go ahead and if they luck into a top three pick and take an Owen power, or someone like that, or Brant Clark or Luke Hughes to shore up the the defense. They still, I think, they still have to go out and trade or sign for someone along the blue line to help right now. You know, because mm-hmm. Mikey Anderson, Tobias Bjornfoot don't project as you know 
10 goals, uh, 30 assist players over an 82 game slate. Um, Sarah, you noted it. There's just not a whole bunch of scoring going on right now from the, the blue line. And Todd McClellan's looking for that right now. So I think that's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think if the Kings, if, I think if the Kings ended up trading, like let's say they got the seven through the 10th overall pick. And I think if they ended up trading that for a good quality player coming back, I don't think Kings fans would be that upset about it. I mean, you look at the prospect pool, I think even with, let's say the Rangers or the Ottawa Senators add another great player, the Kings might still have the best prospect pool in the league. That's just how deep they are. So it's, <laughs> It's it's it'll be interesting to say see what they do with just the pick and their draft. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even I'll, I'll tell you, even if it isn't a top five capacity for the right deal, I wouldn't mind seeing it get moved. Not for the right player coming back. If it's going to help now, absolutely. Yeah, and and Russell. For, Russell, you had noted it oh, uh, several episodes back, but how many times have top five draft picks been dealt? Uh, Pretty much never. <laughs> it's rare. Yeah, it's so rare. I mean, yeah. but with, yeah, with this draft, it's just, this is probably the most, like, unknown draft I've seen in quite some time. I mean, I've seen probably five or six different rankings with five or six different number mm-hmm. one overall. So it's it'll be interesting. But, you know, a rarity, too, is for a team to be getting a, another top five pick with a prospect pool as deep as the Kings have. So... It's really definitely a unique situation. So I think, Sarah, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time. <laughs> and then she's going to go, okay, guys, that's it. Show's over. I've had enough of this. Someone's ringing. Gotta go. I'm sorry. <laughs> so if they're going to go out and sign a free agent, is there one particular name that you want to see them go after this offseason? I mean, like you said, the free agent class is very underwhelming. I was looking at the free agent like pending UFAs for defensemen. And I was like, this list is terrible. <laughs> like there was just nothing. I mean, the two exciting names for me on, on the defenseman list. And I really do think that that might be like, that that is an area that they keep talking about wanting to get someone. The two names that were interesting to me, Dougie Hamilton, who I feel like Carolina still probably wants to do the best they can to sign him and Alec Martinez. And like, that's <laughs> it. Like, there's not right. too much else on there that I'm super pumped about. And so, you know, if, if that's if that's the case, that that's all you can get in free agency, and uh, you know, Hamilton gets re-signed, and you know, I, we all love Alec Martinez, but I don't know that the the King the Kings want like a second crack at him. Um, yeah, then you have to start looking at a trade because this is this is not an inspiring group of, no. of free agent defensemen. But I, I would be very curious to see how the Dougie Hamilton situation plays out. Sarah, what are your thoughts on Rasmus Dahlin? Hey. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I would be into that because I think that he, it, like anyone in Buffalo, is, is not set up for success. Like anyone who touches the ice in Buffalo is basically set up to fail. And so, yeah, there's a lot of problems with his game right now, but he, he's in Buffalo. Like, I think that they're all things that can be coached back out of his game. And the, the Sabres, I've, you know, I feel like you might be able to take him for a ride. And, uh, you know, they, they know what they have in Darlene, but they also know that they're coming to, to a point where all of their players are going to start demanding trades if nothing good happens anytime soon there. Um, so I think that would be an interesting door to knock on um, because, 
you might be if if Buffalo is like, well, time for reboot seventy five, um, you might be able to pry him out of there. And you know, you got a good young defenseman who just needs a little help and a change of scenery and a team that is even vaguely competent. <laughs> yeah, and with that, I mean, if they're going to, like you said, do a rebuild 75, uh, they're going to need draft picks. And I think they've only got like six or seven in this draft. They, I think they still have all seven for next year. But if you're going to dive headfirst into a rebuild, that's what you need is draft picks. And mm-hmm. frankly, it's not going to hurt the Kings to give up some draft picks at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're just swimming in them. Like th- th- this yeah. is why you hoard the draft picks and the prospects for a year like this, when you're like, we're close. Like they're not one or two guys away. Like we all know that, but there may be a couple of guys away from being in the conversation of the playoffs. Like Rasmus Dahlin or Dougie Hamilton, whoever isn't going to get them the Stanley cup, but it's going to help push that team forward. And, and I mean, we're, we're in the, like, we need the Justin Williams guy kind of territory of someone who will be here for, for a little bit and not just a one or two year rental who can help push the team to the next level and, and see them through that. And, you know, that, what, what else do you have all these picks and prospects for? They can't all play here. Yeah. I noted it on the last podcast and it had quite the reaction from Russell, but if the Kings could somehow pry away Jacob Chikrin from Arizona who needs draft picks, (laughs) That would be a steal. That guy's <laughs> shot is lethal. <laughs> Getting all hot and bothered over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. I, yeah. Jacob At least Chikrin. you stayed dry this time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a towel. But... You don't want to know, Sarah. You don't want to know. Like <laughs> Just. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Go back and listen to the other. Yeah, one. I mean, just that game on uh, just the game mm-hmm. yesterday, we were able to see the shot and what he can bring. And yeah. when he's been able to stay healthy, he's been the best defensive player on the Coyotes, and that's a great defensive uh, pool that they have with OEL and Goligoski mm-hmm. and all those good players. And Chickern is young, and he's a left shot D man. I mean, that's exactly what the Kings mm-hmm. are looking for. And can you imagine? I'm just I'm picturing this in my head. Can you imagine Jacob Chikrin and Matt Roy on the same pairing? Oh my lord! Oh, oh my lord! Uh, here we go oh again. Stanley Cup three, four times in a row. Uh, Russell just found his happy place. Yeah. I'll be back, guys. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. We'll be back in half an hour. Four times in a row to the Colorado Avalanche. You're just gonna be sitting there going. Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, exactly. Thinking about him. <laughs> but no, I mean the the last time we played them too, he had that huge bomber from the from the the top of the left point, and I even messaged uh, Russell and Scott after. I was like, "Holy shit, yeah. what a shot!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're we're starting to segue into Wayne's world here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so speaking of trades, last time we were on your show, we were talking about the trade deadline. And uh, a longtime fan favorite franchise icon, really, uh, Jeff Carter, was shipped off to Pittsburgh. And it seems like he's blending in quite well mm-hmm. in the Steel City. So uh, what are your thoughts? Is this uh, something he's going to be able to maintain, or is this uh, more or less the, the new team push? Uh, I'm like 60-40, because I feel like we, we keep seeing players leave this team and then thrive in their new environments. I mean, just look at Tyler Toffoli, who I think is like almost at 30 goals. If or, you know, if he's not there yet, he's, he's almost there in an abbreviated season uh, with Montreal and, you know, Montreal, you know, again, all respect to them doesn't exactly have the greatest cast of characters around them either. Um, so I, I think that 
you know, I, I, I think that Carter's being put in a, in a position to succeed there. And I do think that it is a little bit of just a new environment, new team, new guys, um, new, like, you, you don't have the same expectations, the same pressures that you had on you with, with the previous team. And, uh, you know, I, I think that he'll, he'll probably be able to keep it up and it'll be nice to see him get another playoff run. It, it was a weird trade for me as someone who grew up a Penguins fan and still has family in Pittsburgh who uh, now my mom texts me every time Jeff Carter scores a goal. <laughs> uh, she's like, oh, your boy Jeff did something good again. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still heartbreaking for Kings fans yeah. to see. Oh yeah. It, yeah, it is. And I mean, I've seen a lot of chatter around Twitter and uh, Facebook. It's Facebook is a whole other, other <laughs> dimension, but um, <clears throat> just whether or not Carter was actually giving it his all in the last couple of years, you know, I, uh, I think that that's, no, I don't think that that's the case. I think that, I think that that injury to his ankle took more out of him than, your average fan is going to, to realize. And, you know, I, I mean, are there games where like he probably took a shift off? Yeah. But you know, so, so did everyone on that team. Like, I feel like you can't really paint him with the, like you didn't try hard enough brush without also looking at how uninvested a lot of the other players were too. And, you know, I feel like all, all we hear about Carter in, in LA is, you know, how, how respected he was by the younger players and how good of a mentor he was. And I don't think that we'd be hearing those things if, you know, they're just trying to like, you know, pump his tires to get him out of there. Um, I, I, I think that I, he, he just had a rough go of not being healthy. And for a guy who relies on his skating and his shot to be dealing with a serious ankle injury. And I know he also had some wrist stuff going on at some point. Um, you're not going to look great. And I think he said this is the first time he felt fully healthy in years this season. So no wonder he looked better this year. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard to blame him for taking a shift off. I'll be the first to admit that I've fallen asleep during the second oh, yeah. intermission. Oh yeah. And then woken up to the final score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially a couple time zones away. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, man. exactly. <laughs> they, oh, look, it's 1230 in the morning. Okay. I guess kind of go to bed. <laughs> I stayed up for a six to one loss. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and then people wonder why you're so miserable at work the next day. I go for that all the time. <laughs> I mean, you, did you fall off your bike on the way to school? No. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, you know, we, we might as well chat about this a little bit. So, uh, speaking of the Penguins and uh, one of their fiercest rivals, the Washington Capitals, um, really want to beat this into the ground at nauseum. But of course, no pun there intended, though, right, Scott? No pun intended. True. That's you know what? I, <laughs> you're right. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Um, so, anyways, there was of course the incident involving Tom Wilson last night at Madison Square Garden, where uh, he took some punches at Pavel Buchnevich while he was down on the ice in the crease, and then uh, of course the wrestling match that ensued with uh, Artemi Panarin, to put it lightly. So, what are your thoughts on what happened there? This is a very chicken or the egg kind of situation because it's like Tom Wilson keeps not learning his lesson because there is no real punishment. There is no real punishment because the whatever pick a pick a reason out of the hat because Department of Player Safety is bad or because when there is a big punishment, the players union steps in and says, hey, hold on, don't suspend our guy for hitting our other guy. Um, It's just there's no 
there, there's no one answer. I, I I didn't like the the hit. I didn't like the scrum. I didn't like the punching. I wish that you know player safety would come down on this because that's the only way this changes. Um, you know, there's a place for hitting. There's a place for physicality. Um, I'm of the mind that if fighting went away tomorrow, I'd be perfectly happy with that. I know a lot of people don't feel that way and I, I get it. I understand it, but I, I think that you, you don't start changing things and you don't get that out of the game if you don't actually start enforcing the rule book. And so it's a shame that, uh, you know, that this is where we're at and that, you know, Tom Wilson is the guy that everyone now pays attention to because of this. And, uh, he, he, he is, the the example or like the poster child but also yet you know five thousand dollars like you know that's, no, that's the maximum they could go yeah the yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, i think uh, i think she meant more just you know not even a, a suspension right. or anything yeah. yeah 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 i think it's just because of what it's it's because of what tom wilson is able to do besides just the fighting because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if it was like let's say like a player like brandon Lemieux, brandon lemieux did this he'd be suspended probably 15 20 games and just maybe second or third i mean we're talking about tom wilson's what sixth seventh eighth offense now where he's done this so it's like like you mentioned sarah they just haven't been able to really hammer hammer him down and kind of make a statement and send a message to him saying like no more this mm-hmm. this has to stop so if you just kind of just slapping him on the wrist he's obviously just going to keep doing it and then he keeps saying oh well i'll be better i'll be better as a person but it's like you're not showing that on the ice at all and we'll just keep getting those those uh incidents happening yeah and keep in mind that he ended uh our semi panarin season jacob truba's season and who's the third guy that i'm forgetting scott um, well truba was a scratch Carlo. before that game Oh, he so, was. Okay. My yeah. apologies. But he's at least done for the season. But um, yeah, Panarin took quite the bounce off the ice there. Um, he kind of gave you that he was okay, sign skating off, but obviously it's not. And I don't know if the Rangers being eliminated from the playoff contention last night has something to do with it. Just shut him down. But I'm just, I'm kind of speculating at this point. I would probably guess that probably has something to do with it. Um you know, I really don't like what he did with Bucinavich at all. I mean, that was that was Bush League. That really was. <clears throat> you know, unpopular opinion here. The thing would be with the part of the Panarin thing, Panarin jumped on his back. Now, listen, regardless, right? That was that was a horrible optic. It looked terrible. But in the whole scrum of the thing, he got kind of you know, flipped off the back and then he continued to go after him. Um if 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 I'm on that team. I'm thinking to myself, why is Artemi Panarin, of all people, jumping on Tom Wilson's back? Mm-hmm. Why is basically our smallest guy on the ice jumping on the back of the grizzly bear? What is going on here? I mean, kudos to Artemi Panarin for having the guts to do it. Because let me tell you something, that is a gutsy, gutsy move. <laughs> it really is. And that could have been a heck of a lot worse. But, I mean, that's that's the part that would, you know, I mean, it, it's terrible that he's, he's out for the season. But... You know, there's three games left, right? Something like that. Yeah, for the Rangers. So, so I mean, that's yeah. that's the deal. If you're going to play in that division, you got to have somebody that can answer up to Tom Wilson. It's that simple. Yeah, and Scott McLaughlin um, had an interesting tweet out this morning that 
Um, the league should have at least suspended him for one game to get him through this series because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, tomorrow mm-hmm. night's going to be must watch TV for that game. You know, that guy's going to need to have his head on a swivel. Well, I, th- I think yeah. now the most interesting thing that's come about all this just about an hour ago is the Rangers' response on Twitter. That's yeah. something. That no, I, I agree. Should, yeah, as soon as everyone saw that, they're like, okay, this is getting a little. A little dramatic well, now. We'll see how what happens. Yeah, but you know what though? They had a chance to get him back at the end of that game. He scored the sixth goal. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no response. Yeah, but I think I mean, the Rangers. I mean, there. It's kind of like you think about like with baseball. I mean, when players get hit by pitches, is that really the best way to go about it? No. I mean, but yeah, Wilson like slammed the guy's head on the ice. Like, what? What are they supposed to do? Like, go up and. Marty McSorley him and, and Donald Brashear back of the head. Like, I mean, there's got to be some no, message but... from the league sent here to Wilson to prevent this from happening. Cause I mean, we're, it's going to get to the point where we get another Todd Bertuzzi, Steve Moore incident. And unfortunately that's the, that's the direction we're heading in unless something's done by player safety. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, the only thing, like I said, the only thing I'm saying is I'm very surprised that there was no kind of response at the end of that game. Very surprised. Let's see what but, tomorrow brings. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as I say that, right? So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's that's going to be – yeah, you're definitely right. That's going to be must-see TV tomorrow, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, no I, off- I I offered the host of Locked on Rangers. I was like, do you want to borrow Brendan Lemieux for a day? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. back to you and, uh, you know, just, just, just send him back when you're done. Uh, yeah, I mean, keep an eye on the, the AHL transaction list because they have, they have a – Big puncher guy uh, in on their AHL team, and you yeah, know if they call him right? up, you know, uh, you know if they call him up, you know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's something you got to do, really. Mm-hmm. You know. But anyways, on to uh, happier topics. <laughs> Why do we go on to some list to a listener question here? We got for you. So this is from one of our our loyal loyal listeners, Mr. Richard Sarabia. He's known as Dirty Harry. It's awesome. I just love saying that. Every time you submit a question, I love it. So, so anyways, and, and by the way, I'm going to warn you, these are usually eight-part questions. So it's actually, like it. it's, like actually, it. uh, it's actually Scott's burner account on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, so part one is, as a season overall, are you happy where the team is at and where they're headed? Eh. I mean, I had hoped they would have been more competitive this season. I hope that, you know, we weren't, you know, I kind of wanted it to be like, oh, it's the last two games of the season and they still mean something. Um, But, you know, I feel like they're actually finishing with a worse record or a worse points percentage or something than last season, which is disappointing because last season was awful. But I feel like watching the team... I feel like there's been more progress and I think that there's a little more awareness too of where the holes are. I feel like last season was just triaging to like get a team that can go out on the ice. Um, So I'm not, I'm not as pleased with things as I had wanted to be, but it's also not, it's not the train wreck that I, that that could have happened really. Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, when people ask me, so what do you think about the Kings this year? That's the exact same response. Meh. I mean, this, this is kind of what we expected, right? And it was like a lot of rookies were going to be playing. And when you have Mikey Anderson on the blue line, who's playing his rookie year with Tobias Bjornfoot on the blue line, who's playing his rookie year, that's the two top four defensemen that are playing full-time minutes. 
So, of course, there's going to be some ups and downs, and that's kind of what we've seen. I mean, yeah, we, we would have loved to see them make the playoffs, and I'm sure all the fans, of course, during this uh, unique year would have loved that as well. But you have to kind of look at the long-term picture here. Mm-hmm. This has all about been, been this has all been all about de- development. So that's kind of where they've been all year, and a little bit of positives, but there's been some negatives as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, no I think it. just to just kind of wrap that up, though, I mean, they traded away Jeff Carter in the previous two years. They were kind of offloading those veterans. Now mm-hmm. you're starting to kind of see it all pushed forward now with some of the younger players rather than, okay, who's going to get traded off this week and this week and this week, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did say in the beginning of the podcast you are in Chicago, correct? I am indeed. Okay. It's because half of these other questions are about the Staples Center. So we're going to scratch <laughs> those off the list because you would be able to answer about as well as I could. And I'm about 3,000 miles from the Staples Center. So, <laughs> so, so he wants, he's got a draft question here for you. He just wants to know what type of players should the Kings be drafting in the first round? You know, I think that they're, you know, I, I doubt that they're going to get a top three pick. I don't think that the lottery balls are going to fall in our favor that way. So they are going to be picking in that weird kind of mushy middle of, of the, the top chunk of the draft. And I think that that's where you do start drafting for need instead of who's the best guy. Like when you're picking like seventh, does it really matter? Like it's, it's a crapshoot at that point. Um, so I, I think that I'd like to see them still focus on a defenseman. We have a ton of young defensemen, but like no one yet has really pinged that this guy's going to be an elite player. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talent, even in uh, the ranks of guys who haven't gone pro yet. You know, Brock Faber has been really impressive in his first year, but he's not a scorer. He's not a, an offensive defenseman. And that's what we need. So I, I would expect them to look at defensemen in this draft. We have so many forwards uh, that, you know, it, it, you, you start looking at where your holes are and that's where the King's biggest need is, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And he's got one last question and I'm going to kind of piggyback this in because we wanted to talk about with our listeners, our new, uh, this new thing we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a poll for every episode. So we're putting our poll out on our Twitter page and our first, our first poll was to do with the uniforms. Wait, Scott, every episode, you just committed way too much for us <laughs> without, without discussing it. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of screwed that up, didn't I? No, well, you're fine. It's looks, fine. It looks I like, like I, uh, yeah. it looks like I got some work to do then. Cause it looks like I'll be coming up with some poll questions. That's <laughs> next poll. Should we trade for Rasmus Dahlin? Yeah. <laughs> Click yes. Or really? Yes. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so our, our, our first poll question was, uh, which of the jerseys did you like the better this season, the reverse retros or the Heritage Night, the 90s ones? And uh, Russell actually wants to know if – I'm sorry, Russell, Richard. Looking at the, if Richard wants to know, if you could change the home uniform for the Kings, which colors and logo would you use? So we got a little news about our poll. We have somehow – out of what is it, 111 votes? Brian? 111 votes. Yeah, I can't decide which way it's leaning, but go ahead. <laughs> well, it shows up as 50-50. So, so it's a really split decision here in the in the land of the kingdom. So, once again, for, and for the last time, I promise, sir, for the last time, we're going to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I promise this time, last time. Which jersey did you like better? I'm going to say 
I, I will qualify this by saying like better is like, it's such a small difference. I really like, like I am also 50, 50. On these. <laughs> um, but I, I think that I'm going to go with the reverse retro because it was so fun. It was so different from what we have seen for the past, however many years from the Kings. Um, I'm a big fan of color. I feel like I wish more hockey teams would do something a little crazy. Like how I, I did a show once where we were looking at all of the jerseys in the league and one of the divisions, it took like, it took us like 10 teams at one point to get away from a team that didn't have red or <laughs> orange in as, as their Jersey color. And it's it just, just have fun with it. And I, I like, you know, at first I didn't love the, the reverse retro scheme. Like I know that it's, it's the classic colors and everything. Um, but it seemed a little like in your face. Uh, but then I was like, no, I like it. It looks great on the ice. Um, it, it stands out. It is so different from what any other team is doing. Um, and you know, if the Kings are, if the Kings were to ever rebrand, this is the time to do it, uh, when you're in this sort of transition period. Um, but I don't think they'll do it, but I also, I, the, the, uh, the Gretzky era retro revert, whatever's they were, uh, those definitely grew on me and watching them the past couple games. I was like, this is nice. Like, this is clean. Um, I, I would, I would not have an issue if they, changed or slowly started working those into the the rotation more regularly because they're they're real fun yeah two things sarah the reverse for, reverse retros excuse me against the wild reverse retros yeah. mm-hmm. that was a fun game to watch yeah. yeah and then my other part i would have liked to seen the uh, gretzky era ones in black mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well, I'm going to tell you guys something because you young pups, I am old enough so that I remember seeing those when they were actually coming out. So they have, I'm talking have, about the Heritage jerseys. Scott, did they have TV back then? Uh, well, it was black and white, so it was kind of hard to tell. But... And in those damn rabbit years, I kept hitting the moving around. It was, it was a nightmare. Let me tell you. Wind would blow, you... lose the game. Oh, God, it's terrible. Yeah, if you think about who might be making the decisions about who the what jerseys they might mm-hmm. brand into, look at who's in the upper management right now. You have Luke Robitaille and Rob Blake. Mm-hmm. Yep. They might be liking those uh, Gretzky-era jerseys and see if they come back. Yeah, That's I think cool. a lot about um, what Pittsburgh did a couple of years ago where they uh, Pittsburgh had that horrible like Vegas gold scheme, which like just kind of looked not beige um oh yeah everyone hated it and like it was just why why have you done this and then they introduced the third jersey which was the classic color scheme and then slowly they just transitioned to that and i I feel like that's uh if you if you want the soft launch of of a new jersey scheme like that's that's how you do it and i would i'd love to see more of those uh you know alternate jerseys play in games on 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 the schedule and see if we can't start pushing them towards something new yeah sarah it's my turn to put you on the spot sorry one uh-oh, more time uh-oh. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on the saturday home silvers i don't uh, i those jerseys just never clicked for me um gray's just not i don't love it it's not it's not exciting i feel like if you're going to go gray you have like there needs to be some sort of bling there needs to be some sort of pop and they just look sort of there um, they haven't, they're not very eye catching. Like I did not feel the desire to go throw money at them and, and have one for myself. Um, they just, right. 
they haven't been great. And the Kings did really poorly in those jerseys this year. Uh, so I wouldn't be glad. I wouldn't be sad to see, uh, see the back of that. I think it might be cursed. So what did we go in the reverse retros this year, guys? Like two and three, two and four, something like that? It wasn't great. Yeah, yeah it yeah. wasn't great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll give yeah, that a was... pass, though, because I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of like going back to 1984. Same colors, same result. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, I've been. I, I think they should just already go back to the form blue and gold. Just bring them back already. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that would be a cool, re, like you mentioned, Sarah. If they're going to rebrand, now's the time to do it. And if you can bring back those old form blue and golds from the '60s, and even have that old crown on there as well, mm-hmm. I think they'd be pretty cool. And then bring back the Gretzky era jerseys for some reverse uh, or some alternate jerseys. And I mean, open. That's what the NHL needs to be doing. They need to be trying new things and having yeah. new jerseys like this. And that's kind of why that's why I like these reverse retro ideas because it is a new thing. And with the ESPN deal and a TNT deal, I want to see some really cool jerseys coming out. I mean, mm-hmm. I watch an NBA game and I don't even know who's playing because the jerseys yeah. are so different. Uh-huh. It's like yeah. weird. Right. So I want to see the hockey teams do that as well. Yeah, right. a good way to grow the sport and get some uh, uh, more fans into the game, you know, yeah. buy a jersey. <laughs> And let's, yeah, let's be honest. We're all going to buy it. Like the reverse retro is sold out and yeah. they're, they're not making any more, which I think is rude because I didn't get to get one. Uh, you know, <laughs> but it, it, we're talking about the league and how everyone's in a hole because of COVID and you can't have fans and whatever. Go make like seven different jerseys next season. Like people will buy them. Even when they're terrible, people buy them. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, and <laughs> make it, make enough so that everybody can actually buy one. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, I even, I even looked at the Gretzky era black ones on, on fanatics the other day and they're sold out of all those too. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually, I have the, uh, the original nineties uh, Jersey with the silver lettering and I tried to put it on and it didn't work out too well because I was like, <laughs> you know, I had it. it didn't work guys. It just didn't. <laughs> I, I had to get a pry bar to get it off. It was awesome. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, speaking of uh, some uh, cool reverse retros, the uh, the Kings are in the middle of a two-game series with the Arizona Coyotes, and I do happen to like their reverse retros as well. And uh, they are playing them tomorrow night for, uh, I think it's the last time of the season, isn't it? Last time. So um, we had a great result Monday night. Uh, what do you guys see happening tomorrow night? I don't expect good things. <laughs> I mean, when was the last time this team put together more than one win? Like, oh, was wow. it like February or something? It was something was really clean shaven. Yeah. 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 So I, I'd like to think, I'd like to think maybe they can get their act together, but I don't, I don't have high hopes. The coyotes are going to be mad because they're basically almost eliminated. So are we, but um, I feel like the coyotes are taking it a little harder. <laughs> Yeah, I thought uh, that the game Monday night was starting to get a little chippy, which is something that we haven't really seen this season. Mm-hmm. And Connor Garland and Drew Doughty were going after it a little bit, so that mm-hmm. was kind of cool. So who knows? Maybe we'll get an exciting game. If any, if anything, Monday was an exciting game to watch. I will say that. And, and hopefully Quentin Byfield's back in because that's bring, brought a lot of excitement to mm-hmm. Kings fans. So I think tomorrow will be fun. Well, I do. I looked ahead in the schedule, guys, and we still have – Four games against the Avalanche, which I'm just going to be in a fetal position for those games. <laughs> and then one more game against the Blues, a makeup game. I'm wondering if Byfield will play uh, – basically, let me just word it, that he'll skip the Avalanche games. You know, it's funny. The, 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 yeah, I, I, I think I think they'll probably end up staggering him. I, I don't know, but it seems like they might go just six in a row. 
But like you mentioned, those Avalanche games, those are going to be tough, and they got a lot to play for. And the top I was four in the West. Just going to say yeah, that the top four in the West Division. I mean, with the Blues playing now, all of a sudden they decided they they knew how to play hockey again. It's it's <laughs> yeah. it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, it, that's a, that's another thing with the season, and the West Division has been so top heavy that mm-hmm. the Golden Knights and the Avalanche have just been beating on teams like like the Kings and the Sharks and the Ducks. And that's why you see that discrepancy in the standings, but it'll be interesting. And ho- hopefully they don't lose too badly. <laughs> <laughs> just hope no one gets hurt. That's really yeah. my, uh... I, just hope, I just hope everyone has fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the fun yeah. part, I don't know. I don't know that uh, it's going to be too fun given the outcome that I expect, but like, just, just don't get hurt. Maybe yeah. like, I mean, we have Kopitar's thousandth point that is coming up. I anticipate he'll get that, or the team's going to do everything they can to get him uh, yeah. to get that point, you know, tomorrow if they can. But that that's that's kind of the only thing I have to look forward to in, in these coming up games. Well, yeah, they won, they won seven games in a row last year, and they won Mondays, yeah. and they have six games left. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> they win six more. That- that poor that poor call up that's gonna be thrown into the fire against the avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you what, I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna predict a split with the avalanche. We're gonna win two games. Okay. They play well. They play well against they, the Avs, so. Yeah, they, just, seem to, they seem to rise up to the better teams and then play down to you know the ducks. I'm not putting money <laughs> on it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was a very very fun show. That was a that great was fun. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, uh, we want to thank Sarah Avampado for coming on. That was wonderful. And and check out her podcast if you haven't. Locked on Kings. It's a daily podcast. It's a great listen, and you'll get all kinds of Kings info and Kings fun. So, Sarah, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Glad to uh, stop by, and well, I'm sure we'll do this again sometime. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and like I said, we just. Keep going to each other's house for dinner. So next yeah. time we'll bring them. Yeah. Okay. So. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, everybody we want to appreciate. We appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. And for Sarah Avapato, for Russell Morgan, for Ryan Sykes, I'm Scott Kimball. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And go Kings go. Go Kings go.